Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, this is the Spoken Edition of Wired. As part of Wired's exclusive look at Breaking 2, Nike's revolutionary attempt to break the two-hour marathon mark, our writer is using the same training regime, apparel and expertise, as Nike's three elite athletes to try to achieve his own personal milestone, a sub-90-minute half-marathon. This is the first in a series of monthly updates on his progress. Running's a simple sport. Lace them up, put one front foot in front of the other. When I began training to break 90 minutes for the half marathon, however, the coaches and scientists at Nike decided to make my running life a little more complicated. They asked me to wear a heart rate monitor and a GPS watch so that they could record every step I took. They would then use the data I provided to shape my training program. The extra equipment didn't bother me, but the extra attention did, at least at first. Lately, I've been thinking about why. Until I started reporting on Nike's Breaking 2 project and until I became engaged with my parallel attempt, Breaking 90 as I grandiosely like to call it, I hadn't been running seriously for long. But what I'd done worked. Using ideas gleaned from years of book research about the world's best marathoners, my weeks consisted of a mixture of interval training, that's intense periods of fast and slow running, and longer runs. I'd ramp up the mileage and intensity until about two weeks before a race, at which point I'd taper to give my chance a legs to recover. Then on race day, I'd let slip the dogs of war. That was all the science I had. As a runner, I lived by the haiku written by my friend Mike Joyner, a Mayo Clinic anesthesiologist and former marathoner. Quote, Run a lot of miles. Some faster than your race pace. Rest once in a while. Within the parameters of that elegant advice, my training was governed by more important considerations, my family and my job. If I was working from home, I ducked out at lunchtime for an hour to train with Matt, an architect neighbour. If I was reporting on the road, my running shoes came with me and I took whatever chances presented themselves. When I wore a GPS watch, which was not always, it never actively shaped my training, it recorded it and gave me an idea of what a good race pace might be. In any event, I was the only person who could see my numbers. Now I have a group of interested observers, and it sometimes feels weird. Every time I finish a workout, the Nike team in Beaverton, Oregon, processes the information. The team is led by Brett Kirby, the lead physiologist in the Nike Sport Research Lab, who has 70s throwback sideburns and a wry, languorous manner that reminds me of surfers I've known. Kirby and the other physiologists at Nike love data. It makes them happy. 
They feed my statistics into their computers and then send jazzy-looking graphs to my coach in London. Bex Gentry, a peppy and dauntingly accomplished ultra-runner. On conference calls, Kirby and Gentry sometimes encourage or discourage me from certain approaches, based on the data they see from my watch. One might say something like, This track session was a perfectly executed workout. The other might say things like, No wonder you blew up, man. Look how hard you went out. My quibbles with this voyeuristic arrangement are existential and connected to what statistics can and can't tell you about a run. We're all so much more than our numbers. I run faster or slower primarily because of how I feel and not just in my legs. The exercise is emotional as much as it's physiological. If you saw only my heart rate readings and splits, for instance, you'd never know that I went out too quick on one disastrous long run in December because I was grappling with some high-pressure reporting and the kids were driving me crazy and I'd drunk about six espressos. Kirby thought I was deranged to start a long run so fast and I thought I'd be crazy not to. You'd also never know that shortly after Christmas, when the northwest of England was crispy with frost, I was running easily alongside the A540 to Hoylake, a two-lane highway, when I turned to my right and saw a massive ostrich staring right back at me. An ostrich? Well, the animal was behind a fence, but it still gave me a jump. I later discovered there's an ostrich farm on that road, which I didn't know about. Team Beaverton saw my heart rate spike and my pace increase and probably thought I'd decided to push toward my threshold speed. They didn't know I'd just seen a huge flightless African bird irked to be trapped in an English midwinter. What I now understand about the data is that while it may not tell the whole truth, it also doesn't lie. I run as fast or as slow as it says on the watch. My heart beats as quickly as the monitor says it does. Moreover, the Nike physiologists are sensitive readers. They know that statistics can be a blunt tool. They listen to what I have to say about training and they don't tell me what to do. Instead, they tweak. One example. Before the Nike project, my hardest interval set entailed six repetitions of one kilometre, each completed in four minutes with a minute's rest between each kilometre. It was a set adapted from something I'd seen watching Jeffrey Mutai, formerly the world's fastest marathoner, and it was murder. I almost always crawled off the track at the end of it. Team Breaking 90 realised from knowing my lactate threshold, that's the speed at which the amount of lactate in my muscles increases rapidly, and from looking at my split times, that my 6x1 set might not be helping me in the ways I needed. In short, I needed to get quicker, faster, and that meant a higher quality speed session. The team suggested a different workout, six repetitions of 800 metres at three minutes with two minutes rest in between. On paper, the second set looks easier because you have more rest, and in some ways it is. But the extra effort needed to go faster, three minutes for 800 metres is a lot quicker than four minutes for 11, one kilometre, well, it kills you in the end. The point is, the Nike team is trying to achieve something specific, speed, and it's working. My pace on longer runs is now significantly more lively. On my most recent 2,000 metre test run, which Nike has asked me to do every week to measure my progress, I ran a personal best by 21 seconds. On Saturday at my local 5k park run in Manchester, I broke 20 minutes for the first time. Eliud Kipchoge, Zerseni Tadzi and Lesila Desisa, the three athletes on Nike's Breaking 2 project, have their data monitored in a similar way. It's going to be fascinating to see how they respond to this kind of analysis. Unlike me, they already understand their bodies and their training regimens to a fine degree. It's hard to imagine anybody telling Patrick Sang, the wise and ticklish former Olympic silver medalist who coaches Kipchoge, that he should adjust his star runner's program because of data patterns from a GPS watch. 
Such a request might meet a curtain Anglo-Saxon response. I'll know more about the relationship between Nike and its elite athletes later this month when I visit Captagate, Kenya, where Kipchoge trains. What I already understand, however, is this. Numbers are only another kind of language. Before a few months ago, Kipchoge had never run on a treadmill, had never undertaken a VO2 max lactate threshold or running economy test, and had rarely worn a heart rate monitor. Kipchoge's technology-light approach is the norm among East African marathoners, in my experience. When I stayed in Kapnotungi, where Jeffrey Matai and the marathon world record holder Dennis Kimeto trained in a large group without a coach, the program was set by senior athletes, and workouts were meticulously recorded by hand in exercise books. Indeed, Kipchoge has a book containing 14 years' worth of workouts stored in this way. You don't need a GPS watch to understand how to run. After more than a decade of professional training and having conquered the track and the roads as an athlete, Kipchoge already understands his numbers. The language has been internalized. There's a little, st- there's little a statistician can tell him that he doesn't already know. If you asked him to run a kilometre in 3 minutes 10 seconds, I would bet he could do it, almost to the second, without looking at a watch. I will never understand my body in the way that Kipchoge understands his, so I need to have my effort explained to me through data. But on race day, I hope to have become familiar enough with the language to free myself from watches and monitors. I already know how fast I must run to break my 90-minute barrier, and then the only number that will matter will be on the finishing line. One hour, 29 minutes, and... This article posted by Ed Caesar for Wired. Hey, this is Andrew from the Spoken Edition team. I wanted to let you know that we just launched a new website at SpokenEdition.com. This new site has over 40 different shows from top publications around the web, all for free. So visit SpokenEdition.com, subscribe to a few new shows, and keep listening. Thanks. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.